And when we talk about rights these days, we uh, are normally talking about our constitutional rights, or, or people refer to them as our constitutional rights, which were under the Bill of Rights. Uh, the first uh, 10 amendments, I think there may be 14 now that is under the Bill of Rights. Um, our first amendment, for example, is the right to free speech. And to be able to gather on the street of Knoxville, Tennessee, and assemble and praise the Lord. Uh, our second amendment is the right to bear arms, and so forth. Uh, lately, though, we, we've been given or become aware of some new rights that I didn't know we had or we didn't have when our founding fathers uh, were around. That is the right to kill unborn babies. We now have that right. We have the right to free medical care now or medical care that you wouldn't have to pay for, which they call free. The right to, to free public schooling, which also costs us dearly every year. The right to affordable housing, which that also is very costly. We've got a right to food stamps, although they don't have food stamps anymore. They have a card now, I believe. We have a right to marry somebody of the same sex, or at least that's what they're trying to say we have that right. We have a right to engage in homosexual activities without fear of public scorn or ridicule. In fact, if somebody complains about it, we might uh, say that uh, they have violated the Constitution and uh, they uh, hate others. If you care to check out, you will also find that some of our old rights that we've been accustomed to are no longer valid. We have the right to defend our home. Or we used to have. Now, if you defend your home, you could be sued by the, the uh, person breaking in your house. If he breaks his leg trying to rob you, he might be able to have a case and sue you later on. You uh, used to be able to have a right to protect your property from theft. They used to be able to kill chicken thieves, horse thieves, things like that. And your right to even defend your family and your person is severely restricted these days. There's some states you're not allowed to have a gun, you're not allowed to defend yourself. You have a, uh, used to have a right to discipline your children in the way you saw fit, but now we no longer have that right. You could go to jail if you whip your kids. You used to have a right to worship God in any way you saw fit. They still let you do that today so long as you keep it indoors and don't practice it out in the open where somebody might see 
or you're not a nuisance to anybody else and you don't make a lot of noise. As I said, I had a service in Florella, Alabama, which is on the border of Alabama and Florida, in which we had the Holy Ghost was falling and we made so much noise that somebody called the police on us. It was 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. They come down there and thought we were a bunch of drunks. These men are drunk on new wine. But I told them they're not drunk as you suppose, but they're just worshiping God in the Spirit. And to that, the police officer quickly backed off, realizing that he was infringing upon our right to assemble and worship God. But the city of Knoxville seems to think that if you praise God and make too much noise in the noonday hours that you might offend somebody, but that's okay as long as you pay them $50 an hour. You don't have that right. Well, I guess you do if you pay for it. They will give you that right until you pay for it. So I want to know, how is it that we have managed to both gain new rights and lose old ones? And I want to tell you, it's because we, the people of the United States, don't have the foggiest clue as to where our rights come from. We believe that the government gives us our rights or that the Constitution gives us our rights or that we have made up a list of rights and all agreed upon them, but that's not the case. Our unalienable rights do not come from government or constitutions or elected officials, or city managers, those rights come from God Almighty, our Creator. And we can see that in the documents that our founding fathers wrote, and the letters that they wrote and spoke about. People question whether our nation was founded upon the principles of God. They would have to be totally ignorant of everything that was written. The Declaration of Independence and the Constitution and the Bible to not know that our rights are connected to God. They come from God. And that's the point I want to make as I get into this today. If you was to read the Constitution of the... Uh, actually, not the Constitution. Let me correct myself. The Declaration of Independence, which I believe is a, a statement of the principles through which our Constitution was based upon. We can't understand our Constitution if we don't understand the Declaration of Independence. And we don't understand that if we don't understand where our rights come from. But the Declaration of Independence clearly states 
that our unalienable rights come from God. Let's read it. Not the whole thing, of course. It says, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men were evolved from monkeys, created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. That is, when you were born into this world as a baby, and I believe even before you were born, because the Bible teaches that while you were in the womb, God knew you, and if He knew you, He was giving you rights. that we were endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights. And I'll tell you what those mean. These are rights that you can't give away. You can't bargain them away. You can't sell them. They can't be transferred. They are your rights. And with those rights comes accountability. Amen. But I'll get into that a little bit later. But the Declaration of Independence says that we are endowed by the, our Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these there are, or these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of of happiness. As I said, the declaration, this declaration of independence is the principles. It contains the principles by which the Constitution was developed. Without this declaration of independence, we wouldn't have a Constitution. I want to talk a little bit about that. Why is it important to understand this? Because you are accountable for the God-given rights that God gave you. For exercising them. It's just like a talent that if God gives you, you're accountable for how that's used. You are a steward of every blessing that God gives you while you live on this earth. You will be accountable for the decisions you made, the choices you made, and for the life that you lived. And because you will be accountable, you must have the rights that God gives you. When Joseph was given the oversight of Potiphar's house, his, uh, his master, he was also given the rights to make decisions and conduct the affairs of that home in order to please the master. Without them, he could not achieve his mission. So our rights have a purpose in God's plan. Okay? So that's why we need to know these things. 
Not only that, but we can lose our rights. Or actually, we can't lose our rights, but we can lose the ability to enjoy those rights through tyrant governments who do not fulfill their stewardship to us. Because a government exists for the benefit of the people. They are our representatives just as we are God's representatives. The Declaration of Independence defines the purpose of government. And by that I mean what we call our government. That is the executive branch of our government. That's the president. The legislative branch, which is Congress, that's two houses, the House and the Senate, and the judicial branch, which is the judges and court systems of our country and our county and cities and all that, all the way up to the Supreme Court. The government has a purpose. All of these, the courts and all this has a purpose. And that purpose is to secure these unalienable rights that God gave us. It is their job to protect and defend those rights so that you can exercise them and enjoy the fruit of your labors. They are delegated the responsibility on your behalf as citizens. Governments are supposed to secure those rights, not establish new rights. They are not to take away your old rights. And they're not even there to interpret and define what your rights are. They are there only to make sure that no one hinders you in exercising your God-given rights. If we continue reading, it says that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. The Bible teaches us that governments or the powers that be are ordained of God to fulfill a purpose. Amen. To basically bring about order and basically do the same thing to defend these rights, to secure them. It says that their powers of the government is derived from the people that established the government. Deriving their just, and I want you to notice just means justice. Deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. That is the Declaration of Independence. Saying governments exist to secure our rights. That's why we created them. The government is the creation of the people. Let me tell you this thing. In God's book, the creation or the creator does not serve the creation. No. 
The creation serves the Creator. And the government serves the people. But things have got a little bit out of whack lately. And it's because we have lost sight of where our rights come from. We believe they come from the government. Therefore, the government can dictate what our rights are. Take away rights or give rights. In other words, their powers come from the consent of the government. And then it goes on to say that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, that's that mission, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Does that make sense to anybody? This is government and it's what the schools are to be teaching the kids. They taught us this when I went to school. Of course, they were getting away from it. They glazed over it. But they, they used to go really in-depth into this so that people understood that our rights come from God. Amen? If we... Let me just get a little bit more. Now, the, constant, the, the declaration is the statement of the principles that our Constitution is built upon. In other words, we form a government. The Constitution, or the purpose of the Constitution is to establish our government and regulate it by delegating the powers that it has and explaining or restricting how it might use those rights. You could say that the Constitution is like a limited power of attorney. It defines exactly what the government can and can't do. You are giving the government some power. Not your rights. You are momentarily not exercising some rights for the good of everybody. And you have placed this responsibility to make sure everything works in harmony in your government. So, let's say, let's say that Crystal here uh, was going to take a trip somewhere and uh, she's leaving her kids behind there. Uh, you know, if you go on vacation, it's good to leave them behind sometimes, right? <laughs> but you want to leave them kids in the care of somebody that you can trust. Now, if you do that and one of them gets sick or hurt, nobody else has the right to take your kid up there and have it operated on or surgery or, or anything, or even take them to the doctor. And they have a legal document called the power of attorney. They have a limited power of attorney and then they have a complete power of attorney. If you're totally out of your mind and you can't 
reason or exercise your rights, then somebody can totally have power of attorney over you and they make every decision for you. That's about what we're giving our government these days. Amen. To exercise and make every decision for us. They are trying to tell us we can't have salt with our food. They're trying to tell us how much saturated fat we should have in our food. They're trying to tell us what kind of light bulbs to burn, what kind of car to drive, what kind of fuel to have. And, and they have no sense whatsoever. I wouldn't trust our government to take care of a dog, let alone the nation. Because they do some stupid things. I'll just give you one example. I know I'm getting off my notes here. But you hear this, this thing about trying to save fuel through, uh, you know, electricity. They're going to make cars that run on electricity. Well, that's going to take away. We won't be using no fuel after that. Well, where does your electricity come from? And where do they get it? Now, around here, we, we might believe that a lot of it comes from hydroelectric, from these dams that we have around here, TVA. And a lot of it does. But that's only about 30%. 70% of your electricity comes from power plants that use coal and oil to burn to produce that electricity. I find it hard to believe that we're saving any fuel by switching to electric. On top of that, this same government is wanting to cut back coal use. That leaves only one source of fuel, oil. And they won't let us get it out of our own country. We've got to get it from a foreign country. Amen. I'm telling you, if you hired somebody to handle those decisions for you, you would have fired them a long time ago. Because when a government does not exist and perform the reason that it was created, then it ought to be abolished. Right. So Brother Stennett, are you preaching the overthrow of our government? What I'm saying is we need to hold our government accountable, but we can't do that if we think they have our rights. Our rights come from God. And we need our government to start recognizing that our rights come from God and not the Supreme Court and not from Congress or the President. Excuse me. Mm. Let me get back on track. The Constitution is to establish, the purpose of it is to establish government and regulate its delegated power so that it will not abuse that power. So let's say Crystal has given, let's say Amanda, the power of attorney to watch her kids. All right. And she comes back, and Amanda has taken that power of attorney and cleaned out her banking account and 
sold her kids into slavery. And she's living high on a hog somewhere. Then I would say that Crystal would have a good case against Amanda. Now that's exactly what's happening to our government. We've given them a certain responsibilities to act on our behalf and they have abused those powers and the purpose of the Constitution is to ensure that the government secures our rights. Let's look at it a little deeper. The original intent of the framers of the Constitution was to enumerate. That's a big word which means list. Only those things in the Constitution that the government was allowed to do. And if you list only what they're allowed to do, then they can't do anything else. Because it clearly says what's not listed there is reserved for the states and the people. So they were very smart in setting this down. But like men, sometimes, our intent does not produce, though we have good intent, it doesn't produce good results. George Bernard Shaw is credited with the saying, hell is paved with good intentions, not with bad ones. All men mean well, but all men do not do well. What happened is some of the people, they didn't trust the state. They didn't trust giving them anything hardly at all. And what they were afraid of is that this state would become a tyrant. So they said, we need some insurance. Don't just tell them what they can't do. Tell them what they must do and what they can't do. That sounds good. So they added 10 amendments, which we call the Bill of Rights. And there's where we get, you know, the First Amendment and Second Amendment and all our rights. No. But as soon as we added these amendments and called them a Bill of Rights, then the politicians suddenly begin to see that our rights come from the Constitution, not from God. Because the Constitution spelled out what our rights was. So these fancy Philadelphia lawyers begin to abuse this and twist it to where they felt that uh, they were the ones that handed out rights. Now let me tell you what the Constitution also says. It says that Congress has the responsibility to make laws. So if the, law, uh, the Constitution, which is the law of the land, gives them the right to make laws, and 
our Bill of Rights is in the Constitution, then it must give Congress the right to create rights. That's why we got a right to health care. We got a right to health care at the expense of somebody else. We take away somebody's right and give them to somebody else. We can define rights. The Supreme Court and the courts think that they have the right to define what our rights are and define the scope of them. We added the 14th Amendment to keep slaves from being lynched at the, after the Civil War because they were given property and, and things like that. So we said that we, uh, no state will deprive a person, the 14th Amendment, of their life, their liberty, or their right to have pro own property without due process. Now the, the Supreme Court is authorized to define anything that's in the Constitution. If your rights come from the Constitution, then they have the right to define what those rights are and limit them. As a result, they've taken that little word liberty that no state will deprive a person of liberty and somehow they've been able to manage to say that no state can take away a woman's right to kill her baby because you infringe upon her liberty. And in that same area, they have begun to see that two men can get married. They start to see rights where rights don't exist. And they do this because they have lost sight of where our rights come from, church. And why have they done that? I'll tell you, because the church has failed to remind them and remind people where those rights come from. As I was studying the Constitution and some of these writings, I was totally amazed at the intelligence and depth of understanding of our founding fathers. They had an understanding of some principles of God that have escaped our attention completely. Your rights do not come from the Constitution. It doesn't make sense that the creator of the Constitution, which is the, the people, would grant to its creation, which is the government, the power to determine the scope and extent of our own rights. That would be like God giving you the ability to judge Him. And that don't make sense. Look to the Constitution, church, if you want to hold the government accountable for the power that you have delegated to it. But if you want to know where your rights come from, you better look to God 
and the Word of God to know what they are. And the reason our country is going the way it's going is we have lost that understanding as a nation. And it's the church's job to let it be known. I believe some of our founding fathers made this statement. It is not that we should labor to leave our wealth behind for our children, but rather our rights behind for our children. And I want you to know we are bargaining those away every day, and yet they are unalienable. They cannot be bargained or given away. But they certainly, government can certainly keep you from enjoying those rights that God gave you. So what is our rights? I'm not going to attempt to name these rights. I started to do that. But I figured we already hear longer than the Methodist church. They beat everybody to Shoney's. And then Baptists are right behind them. Then us Pentecostals, by the time we get there, everything's gone. So I'm not going to keep you too long by listing all your rights. We'll invite you to read the Word of God, though. So I'm not going to list all the rights. And neither did the Founding Fathers list all of our rights. We think that those Bill of Rights is all of our rights. That don't even scratch the surface. In fact, Article 9 specifically says that the failure for them to enumerate every or list every right does not in itself give the government any power to take away those rights that are not listed. Leaving an understanding that there is a lot more rights that we have than we even know about. In fact, if you were to list them all, I suppose, and some people have figured out, that all it would do is equal or sum up the total of all of man's rights. Kind of like what I'm talking about. You know when Jesus said to, that the law can be summed up in two laws? Love the Lord God with all your might and love your neighbors yourself. By this, the whole law hangs on these two things. Well, your rights, all of them, which cannot be numbered, <laughs> hangs on one right that God gave you. One right. What do you think it is? All right, that's a rhetorical question. I can see some blank looks. So I won't ask for an answer on that. The right to choose. The right to choose is a right that God gives us that cannot be taken away from us. Now let's suppose that Brother Randy chooses to give up his right to freedom and become a slave. The fact that he chooses to do that means he is exercising that right. 
and he can't give it away if he's exercising it. The ability to choose is what God gave Adam and Eve when He created them. To choose between right and wrong, good and evil. God gave man that right. It is an unalienable right. That is, no power can alienate that right. You cannot dispose of it. You cannot surrender it. You cannot give it away. You cannot let somebody else make that decision for you. You have a choice to serve God or not serve God. Your parents can't make that choice for you. Your preacher can't make that choice for you. Your Sunday school teacher can't make that choice for you. Only you can make a choice to serve God. Or make a choice to do anything. It's the greatest gift or greatest right that God has given His creation. And He's given that to every single person that He created. It's a God-given right. There is an underlying consideration here that the right to choose also has consequences for the choice you make. But there is an understanding in the Word of God if you read it that if you make the right decisions, those decisions will control your destiny. In fact... Your decisions, your choices, does control your destiny. In fact, Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 tells us, and this is God, says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Choose life. That is, when you understand the Word of God, you find that there is a good choice and a bad choice. Sometimes we make choices we don't know how they're going to turn out. Sometimes they turn out good. Sometimes they turn out bad. But we have to live with the choices we make. We have the right to make that choice and nobody can make it for us. We can give somebody the choice. I can give Randy my choice. But I have to live. I have to live, not Randy, with the choice that he made. So I really haven't given it to him. I've only, I've only refused to exercise it and let him exercise it. It's still my choice. That's what we do with the government. So we are accountable 
for what the government does. Because they are accountable to us. And if they're running amok, if they're doing whatever they want, it's because we are not holding our government accountable. Amen. And it's because we don't understand our rights. Let's consider some other important things that relate to our rights to choose. As I said, there's a right way and a wrong way to do things. There's a good choice and a bad choice. We also understand that time and chance happens to everybody, according to the book of the Bible. That means that sometimes we get good breaks and sometimes we get bad breaks. It rains on the just as well as the unjust. God equally. We live in a world where things, good things happen and bad things happen. Good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. So we learn from our experience that while we are accountable for our choices, we can improve the results of our choices by making other good choices. Amen. We can make decisions on our own or we can improve our chances of success and reduce our chances of failure by making smart decisions. That's why in the business world they call people that make it smart businessmen and women. When we create governments to secure our rights, that's smart. Because if governments don't exist, then we are living in anarchy. And nobody can make money. Nobody can pursue happiness. Because every time you turn around, somebody's stealing it from you. So we make laws. We institute governments. We have law to protect us or secure our rights to enjoy and pursue happiness. Enjoy life and pursue happiness. That's why we make governments. That's why we create alliances, nations. That's the reason we develop communities. And that's even the reason we become members of churches. By joining together with other people, we improve our chances and reduce our risks. Remember the Bible says a three-cold Three-fold cord is hard to break. When we're gathered together as a church, we are unified. When a husband and wife are married, I always like Sister Duncan. She always says, when a husband and wife are married, they divide sorrow and multiply joy. The sorrow is shared among two people instead of one. And the joy is multiplied. That's the way government is. Organization. And that gets us back on what I was talking about this morning, about the community, the church. We improve. By being a member of a church, you improve your success spiritually. 
And by having a functioning government and a functioning church and a functioning business and a functioning family and everything working in harmony with God's plans, you increase your likelihood of success tremendously. That's why God says, I've laid down two ways, a blessing and a curse. We can choose the blessing, but if we're not organized, we lose some of those enjoyments because we don't unite together. In Judges 17 verse 6, it kind of puts that in proper perspective. And I'm getting ready to leave. I know, know you're getting... A little weary. It says, uh, Judges 17, 6, In those days, there was no king in Israel. But every man did that which was right in his own eyes. In other words, we look at that in a negative sense, but that's exactly what God has given you. He's made you the king of your own destiny. He's made you the master of your life. You can do whatever you feel is right in your own eyes. Say, Brother Stinney says we can do whatever we want. That's right. You can kill your babies. You can rob liquor stores. You can take drugs. You can get drunk, you can take drugs, you can do whatever manner of sin and sickness that you want. It's your choice. But you reap the result of that decision. And you have nobody to blame but you. That's a great right, but it is an awesome responsibility that the people of our day and age has somehow allowed to slip by them. They think they can go out and live anywhere they want and somebody else will pay for their problems. That's not the way it works. We can join together and reduce our chances of failure by having churches, governments, and all that. But when you do that, when you do that, you are allowing somebody else to exercise your rights. That's what the Constitution does. It allows our government to exercise our rights. Could you imagine what our nation would be like if everybody did what was right in their own eyes? Total anarchy. But if everybody were trained in the ways of God and we understood that we are accountable for the rights that God's given us, the ability to choose, from which all your other rights flow from, then we might do what God said we ought to do. Again, 
He summed it up this way. The law is created so we can live harmoniously. We give our freedom to the law so that we might have a nice, prosperous life. We can pursue, happy and pursue happiness. The problem, when we create too many laws, the more laws we have, the less freedom we have and liberty. But we understand the need for these. But what Jesus did on Calvary is He took all the law and put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. He does, in a sense, pay for your decisions. We can't transfer it to another man, but we can give it back to the one that gave us. You can give your rights to God, but you can't give them to Congress. They're unalienable. They're God-given. When you give your choices, when your choices become His choices, then you live out the life that God intended you to have. You see, that's liberty. The liberty of the gospel is that we can enjoy our rights by giving them to Jesus. Giving them back to where they came from. Or exercising them in the way that He would desire us to do. When we, when we make more, when we give all these, these delegated powers to the government, what we are in effect doing is refu refusing temporarily to exercise our 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 God-given rights. Why would we do that? Well, suppose somebody kills a man and takes away his life. That would happen in a free society. But if there's no consequence for that, it's not justice. In order to have justice, we've got to have law. We've got to have organization. And in doing that, we have to sometimes not exercise our right. That's what Jesus said. Things work a little different under His, com His command. We, we have power to do what we want. To make any decision we want. If somebody comes up and takes our coat... What do we do? What do we do? We can smack him upside the head. If somebody smacks me on the right cheek, I can clobber him over the head. But Jesus says, yeah, you got that right. But I'm going to ask you to do this. Don't exercise that right. Do this instead. Let him have the other cheek. 
we improve our chances of success by operating within the principles of the Word of God. We choose to take the high road instead of the low road. And God blesses us in effect. Do you know what Israel did when they didn't have a king? They made their own decisions. But it wasn't really total anarchy because they had a man of God that was a prophet, Samuel, that kept things going smooth because he kept the relationship going between the civil and the spiritual world, the secular and the spiritual. And that's what the church's job is. But they wanted a king. And God understands that. You improve your chances. But you're going to lose something in the process. You're going to fail to enjoy your rights because you're giving it to somebody else. So they appoint a king. And what does he do? Taxes him. Tells them what they can't do, what they can do, and all that. They don't do what's right in their own eyes. They have to be, do what's right in the king's eyes. But we made a country that took its orders, a government that's supposed to take its orders from the people. Folks, that is one of the greatest concepts that has ever been given to man, is the idea of liberty, the ideal of liberty and freedom. But it's based in your ability to choose and understand the consequences for those choices. So our preamble of the Constitution says, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Good intentions can sometimes lead to bad results if we are ignorant of our rights. I want you to know today the Church of Jesus Christ you know where your rights come from, don't you? And the next time you vote, you know who's supposed to be accountable for you, to you. And I say you need to be voting not according so much to your conscience, but if you've given your life to Jesus, He has your vote. And you are to be voting the way you believe He would vote. I don't care what you are, Democrat, Republican, Tea Party or Outlaw, whatever you are. Vote the way God would vote. And we'll get this nation back on track. We'll get our church back on track. And our lives will be right again. In conclusion, you need to know that the source and giver of your true rights is God. They're unalienable. You can't transfer them to somebody else. If you are here today and you have not decided to live for Jesus Christ, 
That's your choice. By not choosing to live for Jesus, you have made your choice. Because you choose not to live for Him. If I could make the choice for you, I would. I'd do anything I could to get everybody in this room to choose Jesus. I believe it was Caleb that says, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He couldn't speak for nobody else, but he could speak for his house and himself. He only spoke for his wife and kids because they were in subjection unto him. And that's what families are. It makes it easier to get by in this old world when you got a family, Brother Randy. <laughs> you don't have to go it alone. You got somebody, you got a helpmate. Somebody to stand with you. Somebody to fall with you. Somebody to help you back up. And when you choose Jesus, you got a church. You get a big family. <laughs> a real big family. So, you need to make that choice. Have you chosen to follow Jesus? If not, that's your choice. Let's stand to our feet.